Hey, everybody. It's book club day again. Uh, so did you read uh, San Francisco by Michael Schellenberger yet? Well, I finished it, and I got to tell you, again, the title is unfortunate because it's going to repel a lot of people who really need to read it the most. But that aside... It's really a brilliant collection of data, well presented, and um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and I did so for a couple reasons. One, if you do read it, uh, well, you're going to have a way better grasp of the many reasons why we have so many homeless people here on the West Coast. And you'll have some awareness of the homeless industrial complex that the the basically the collection of hundreds of state and federally funded uh, organizations and nonprofits that serve or purport to serve the homeless community. As with every issue and every cause, follow the money. Uh, there's a lot of people who'd be out of a lot of money if this homelessness problem were solved. Uh, but the other reason that I love this book uh, is because it's a great review of San Francisco and California history and politics. We well, I tend to forget that San Francisco continued to have a really colorful history after the Haight-Ashbury period. Um, you know, people like George Moscone, or is it Moscone? I never knew that. Uh, Harvey Milk, uh, Will Willie Brown. Uh, and then you mix in the darkness of Jim Jones in the 70s and AIDS in the 80s, and you've got some pretty compelling reading. And he does a great job covering uh, all of that and how they intertwine. And for me, Personally, I was fortunate enough to live in San Francisco for a short time in 87 and early 88, and I continued to live in the Bay Area uh, for a couple years after that, um, down in Palo Alto. During the uh, Willie Brown dot-com era, I spent a ton of time in San Francisco uh, in South and San Jose, and then for about the last 15 or so years, I have worked in San Francisco at least once every other year. So I've witnessed, without having to live there, I've, I've witnessed the city's decline, and uh, it's nothing if not sad. And whatever your political beliefs are, simply giving addicts and the mentally ill all the tools and, well, the money that they need to support their habit until they kill themselves is not compassion. Um, if you haven't been to San Francisco lately, you hear stories and, you know, you hear all those stories about the, the apps that track human shit and whatnot, but I can guarantee you that it's worse than you think it is if you haven't been there lately. Uh, and I've, I've walked that city, like the entire city, pretty much at all hours of the day and night. And I remember, you know, like when I lived there, we'd go down to the, the Fillmore projects to score weed. And, you know, I've never felt unsafe in any part of that town until the last time I was there. And I went to a Giants game and walked around a bit afterwards. And there were some fucking scary people roaming around. And it wasn't just drunk, mumbling hobos like it was 20 years ago. These are agitated, methed out paranoid tweakers who'll come up to you and get in your face, which is uncomfortable for me, but for the poor women in that city, it's frightening. And there's all sorts of on-record assaults of women by these fucking crazy homeless people. And they'll think nothing of punching you, uh, or worse, because... It's not like they're going to get arrested or prosecuted or do any time if they do get arrested. Anyway, I digress. I just really encourage you to read the book to get a grasp on the breadth and depth of the problem, especially if you're in the camp that believes that this is simply a housing crisis. And again, that quote from Willie Brown says it all. The problem of homelessness is not going to be solved until one major drastic change takes place in public policy. We have to be able to impose help and treatment on people. 
So most of the book, uh, for those of you who aren't going to read it, is about, uh, I guess you could say, the, the policy decisions that have been made over the last 75 years that have led up to the current situation. So it's great in that regard. Um, as for the solution, well, he he does cover some specific areas, including the development of what he calls CalPsych, which would be a state-level uh, department tasked with recovery programs, uh, medically-assisted um, drug treatment psych beds, conservatorship, yes, you heard that right, uh, assisted outpatient treatment and residential care facilities. And that's never going to happen for a number of reasons. But his other prescription is shelter first as opposed to housing first. And without going too deep into the weeds, uh, California's current rallying cry is housing first, which is basically we don't care how addicted to drugs you are or how insane you are or how violent you are. We will, without standards of behavior, mental health, or really any level of responsibility from you, the homeless person, we will get you housed, not in a group shelter, but in your own place. Then once you're settled, or so the thesis reads, then we can work on your addictions, your criminal behavior, and your mental illness. So clearly the housing first policy is a resounding failure. So Schellenberger's shelter first alternative does make a lot of sense. Basically, California would build enough shared or shelters, if you will, and then the homeless folks could essentially earn their own private housing by following kind of a personal health and work plan that would be prescribed and monitored by CalPsych. Sounds great on paper. It's humane. It's logical. But again, that's never going to happen. The ACLU is going to come in like a tidal wave if California starts mandating that people go into a shelter. This would get, I mean, it would get tied up in courts for years. And it's funny, one of the uh, the points, the or it's actually, it's not funny. One of the points the book makes is how the ACLU comes in with lawsuits to block any kind of like compulsory mental health intervention, if you will. Um, and he poses the question, why do we, in simplest terms, institutionalize people with Alzheimer's and dementia those are mental illnesses that render people unable to take care of themselves. I um, mean, it would be cruel to just let them walk around until they freeze to death or get hit by a car, right? Well, the ACLU kind of draws a line between the the Alzheimer's and dementia and just regular street-level mental illness, and they will fight tooth and nail to keep us from institutionalizing younger people who have debilitating mental illnesses. You decide if this makes sense or not. Anyway, the problem is big. The problem is very big. And uh, if your city hasn't been hit yet, chances are it will. But in a state like California, where people vote in prosecutors whose stated goal is to not prosecute property crimes, uh, a man with ideas uh, like Schellenberger has no chance in the world of getting elected. Oh, by the way, Michael Schellenberger is running for... Uh, governor, he's one of a big field and he's running as a libertarian. So again, he's got no chance. But um, oh, shit. And I forgot to mention, going back to that housing first policy. So the results of one San Francisco housing first program speak for themselves. Uh, the San Francisco Chronicle investigated the city's program that uh, basically gives hotel rooms to homeless folks. And I'm going to read you some of the Chronicle article about that program. In a complex arrangement, the city's Department of Homeless and Supportive Housing, or HSH, pays nonprofit groups to provide rooms and aid to formerly homeless people in about 70 single room occupancy hotels known as SROs, uh, which the nonprofits generally lease from private landlords. So, nonprofits, again, 
the homeless industrial complex and nonprofit doesn't mean non-lucrative for executives and board members of these organizations. Anyway, the buildings are the cornerstone of a $160 million program called Permanent Supportive Housing, which is supposed to help people rebuild their lives after time on the streets. But San Francisco leaders have for years neglected the hotels and failed to meaningfully regulate the nonprofits that operate them. Many of the buildings, which house roughly 6,000 people, have descended into a pattern of chaos, crime, and death, the investigation found. Critically, the homelessness crisis in San Francisco has worsened. Okay, so here's where the rubber hits the road. HSH says its goal is to provide some residents with enough stability to enter more independent housing. But if the 515 tenants tracked by the government after they left permanent supportive housing in 2020, a quarter died while in the program, exiting by passing away, city data shows. An additional 21% returned to homelessness and 27% left for an unknown destination. Only about a quarter found stable homes, mostly by moving in with friends or family or into another taxpayer subsidized building. So you heard that right, a 25% death rate. Again, is this compassion? The city of San Francisco will keep paying you over $500 a month to support your fentanyl and meth habit will allow and encourage open-air drug markets where you can score, and now will give you a room in a shitty rat-infested hotel where you can spike up till your heart's content and we'll pay $160 million of taxpayer dollars to do it. And our success rate speaks for itself. 25% of you will die. Anyway, I found that fascinating. Um, again, that's a Chronicle uh, article. I'll put a link in the show notes. One more thing. Uh, and th this is the last tidbit that I'm going to share with you. And again, I'm a small L libertarian. I believe that we should have the right to do drugs, whatever drug we want, as long as we continue to fulfill our end of the social contract, meaning as long as our use of that drug doesn't turn into a dependency situation where I have to commit crimes in order to support that dependency. So the current policies of enabling unfettered drug use, giving free hypodermic needles and crack pipes to the homeless, uh, giving apartments to people with crippling addictions, um, the term that they use to cover that is called harm reduction. And I found that very interesting as I was going through the book to keep hearing that term harm reduction, which is really kind of a sanctimonious feel good substitute for enablement. Again, the book is San Francisco by Michael Schellenberger. And um, you should also follow him on Twitter, too. And I'm serious because you can read the book and you can get a pile of statistics and facts and figures and it's great and all. But Schellenberger posts videos of interviews with homeless people on Twitter. And that's important because, I mean, you can call me an asshole for railing on about this, but it really hits home when you see a woman that's eight months pregnant living in a tent with a fentanyl addiction. Uh, so I'll put a link to his Twitter profile in the show notes. Uh, and that, my friends, concludes this chapter of the Rogue Book Club. I hope you picked up San Francisco. And if you didn't, I really hope you will because it's an eye-opener. Now, if you don't want to read the whole book, I'm going to point you to an article 
uh, called Slow Motion Suicide in San Francisco by Michael Schellenberger. It's about a 10-minute read, and it'll give you a good overview of the situation. So please, at the very least, read this article. If you're not going to read the book, uh, link in the show notes. Okay, that's it for today. If you enjoy the content of this podcast, I'd like to ask you a huge favor. On whatever podcast app you use, if you could give me a positive review, I really, really appreciate it. It'll help more people find the show. And well, that's what it's all about, right? Thanks in advance and have a great one. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 